For more resources, visit rym.org. The Local Youth Worker is a daily podcast that's centered on five questions each week. Ranging from the practical to the professional, we're looking for answers to the questions you're asking. Whether you're in full-time, part-time, or even volunteer youth ministry, this podcast is for you. Hey everyone, welcome back. Uh, we are talking to Dr. Ligon Duncan. Um, we have on Monday we, we talked about uh, the church. Yesterday we talked about uh, the seminary. So today I wanted to shift our eyes off of uh, the church and, and seminary and look at uh, the culture um, and really the culture's um, impact on the church and seminary. We, we you know cannot remove those from this discussion, but but looking at the broader culture and just the various issues. Uh, that are facing the broader church today. What what are a few areas you would encourage Christians uh, to be aware of? And we might have touched on some of these, but some you know some cultural trends to be considering. Some uh, things you would encourage Christians to just be educating uh, themselves about. Uh, what what are some thoughts you have? Well, uh, in in our day and time, uh, we are obviously th- there is an awareness of racism. Uh, that uh, that I think is is growing uh, in the evangelical world, and there there are a lot of extremes on both sides in terms of reacting to that. But some some deep biblical thinking about uh, racism and how that's impacted us. Um, evangelicals are uh, in our country uh, a lot wider than we should probably be. You know, we should we should be a lot more multicultured mm-hmm. uh, and multicolored uh, than than we are. Now, there's been tons of progress, very frankly, in the last 20 or 30 years in evangelical churches in that area. But I think right now there's a cultural awareness, uh, partly because the political situation that we're in, uh, that that has 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 made evangelicals realize uh, that racism has been a neglected problem. I tell the story that when uh, I, I grew up in a Bible-believing church in Greenville, South Carolina, the gospel was always preached, the Bible was always believed, um, uh, black people were never turned away from the doors of our church when I was growing up, but there were no black people in our congregation. And I didn't, I didn't ever think about that. Why would that be? That never occurred to me because I didn't have, outside of school, I didn't have black friends, uh, you know, because I was living essentially a segregated life. And still today, probably the majority of evangelical white people in the southeastern United States live functionally segregated lives. It's, it's not that they don't have black colleagues and acquaintances and Hispanic and Asian uh, colleagues and acquaintances. But if you, if you look at your core friendship groups, they're probably going to be white if you're white. And what, what happens is when we don't realize what some of our brothers and sisters who are not white, they're not like us, they're not from our same socioeconomic and cultural background, we don't realize what life has been like for them. And um, and and then and then we don't realize oh that has actually fed into what life is like for them has actually fed into why our churches are like 
what they are, you know. So um, I just an awareness of racism and how it's impacted the church is really big because God's doing some amazing things right now in the African-American community. He's been doing amazing things for a long time in the Asian and Asian-American community. And, and there are amazing things happening in the Hispanic Latino uh, community for the, for the gospel. And all of us ought to be excited about that. You know, no matter what background we come from, we, 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 want, we want people believing the Bible and believing the gospel and believing the tr- truth and uh, trusting in Jesus, uh, whether they're red, yellow, black, or white. Amen. Uh, and, and we want our churches to be more like the kingdom of God in heaven, where men and women and boys and girls from every tribe, tongue, people, and nation are, but there are historical reasons why they aren't like that right now, and and we need to be aware of that. And and look, we shouldn't be driven either by political correctness or reaction to political correctness. We need to be driven by the Bible, not by you know the winds of what's you know happening. But we do have to be wide-eyed to the fact that the that the culture sees this problem and the culture has seen the hypocrisy mm-hmm. of 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 Christians mm-hmm. and um, and we just need to own up to that Absolutely. you know we, we need to be we need to say to the culture hey we blew it on 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 this and we recognize that and we're we're trying to do what's right now not because you the culture thinks it right uh, thinks it's right but because God in his Bible says, uh, what's right? You know, we've we've always had the the biblical and theological solutions necessary to address the issue of racism in the church, uh, but we haven't utilized them. And so that that's one area that we need to be aware of. And you know, the the big tidal wave in our culture uh, has to do with gender, marriage, and sexuality. Uh, in our time, marriage has been redefined, and so the the young people that youth pastors and youth workers who listen to your podcast uh, are ministering to have grown up in a world where they, that they will never have been conscious of a time when the legal definition of marriage was between one man and one woman. And that it, is almost, it is almost hard to calculate the negative impact of that. Uh, on on young people. And so if, if we're not speaking to young people about a biblical definition of marriage, a biblical definition of what a man and a woman is, uh, you know, we're striking out uh, because they've grown up in a culture where they've been told uh, manhood and womanhood is purely a social construct or even worse, it, that's an individual decision. You know, you you can decide what it means to you to be whatever it is you are, and uh, everybody else in the world just has to adapt to that. And uh, that that is profoundly. I, I remember joking with Al Mohler once. He said, you know, fifty years ago when a dad sat down with his son to have the talk, he one of the things he would say is, "Now, son, when you grow up, it's going to be real important for you to marry a godly Christian woman." And now when dad sits down to have the talk with his son, he has to say, now, son, when, when you, when you grow up, it's really important that you marry a woman. And, 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 and let me explain to you what one of those is, you know, I mean, we're, we're at that level in the culture right now. And so youth, you know, folks that are ministering to youth, if we're not, if we're not addressing those kinds of things, what is a man? What is a woman? Uh, what is sex? What is it for? 
Uh, where is it supposed to happen? Uh, you know, what wh what about LGBTQIA folks? Are you know, is the church just bigoted on this, or is there a reason why the Bible says what it says uh, about same-sex um, sexual activity and 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 such? So that that whole area is is just huge in 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 our culture. And I, you know, look, I still think in our day and age, maybe especially in our day and age, the biggest issue in terms of addressing the culture is Christians not knowing the Bible uh, and not reading the Bible. I, you know, I, I, I will say this, when, when I was growing up, I think a lot more of the kids in my youth group were reading the Bible then I see kids in youth groups reading the Bible mm -hmm. today. And I'm talking about Bible-believing churches. Mm -hmm. I'm not talking about liberal churches mm -hmm. or whatever. I'm talking about Bible-believing churches. I just see, and I don't know why that's happening. Maybe, John, you can tell me what, what, what you see. I don't know whether that's screens that are impacting that, but I, kids don't bring their Bibles to church anymore. Mm -hmm. That was a big deal. When, when I got interested in God and Christ in faith in the gospel— I was bringing my Bible to church, and I was marking things and writing things in the margins. I don't see kids doing that today, and so I, I think that the Bible is 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 deeply neglected, and I think part of that is there's a cultural thing going on out there that's driving that. So there's never been a more important time for youth workers to teach youth the Bible, uh, and to and to get their noses into the Bible, and to show them how to read the Bible, and to get them to care about the Bible. Uh, because there's something happening in the culture that is, even amongst interested Christian youth, is, is, is sort of damping down our enthusiasm about the Bible. And so those are three things that immediately come to mind that we need to address in our current, current culture. Mm, yeah, those are great to highlight and, and what we need to yeah, be spending a lot of time reflecting. I mean, there's so many implications from all of those that you just said. And I guess if I had to respond to the um, just bi biblical illiteracy and why students aren't reading the Bible, I would definitely say screens for sure. Um, that's an aspect. Um, I think the, the busyness of the culture, um, mm -hmm. you know, the fact that we're you know, having literature uh, discussing uh, busyness, and we think you know Kevin right. Young's crazy busy. Yeah, um, there's just not a lot of of margins, you know, for them to students to sit down and to um, to read the word. I think they're just they're exhausted, um, you know, from from so much. And so I would think there's a there's a correlation there, um, for sure. Um, That's helpful, John. That's really helpful. And, and when, when I think to to your comments about uh, racism, um, you know, I've been reading a couple of books by by John Perkins, um, mm. and him just really talking about the importance of listening. Um, yes. for sure. And, and definitely, you know, trying to read, I mean, that's something I'm trying to do to uh, just get a handle on this issue a little bit more and help it, you know, inform myself. And so what, what's some advice you would give to those who are listening, um, who, you know, see this as, as an issue and they want to, um, uh, to begin to, to get somewhat of a framework to think about and process what, what are some steps you'd encourage them to take? I mean, one is just to determine to cultivate, uh, a, a, a friendship with a believer who's different from you and then listen, you know, I mean, I, that, that's how it happened for me, John. I, you know, I, I had had, um, some, some really good, close black friends in, in school, 
but that did not train. You know, this is the 1970s uh, in, in public school uh, and in college. And, but that didn't translate into friendships outside of the educational environment because of the way the culture was. And it really, frankly, was not until after I came to Mississippi, after I had finished my doctoral work, when I'm at, I'm 28, 29 years old, I come to Mississippi. It's only then that I start having friendships uh, with with black people uh, that uh, where I'm close enough that they will really tell me what they think about things. Mm. Uh, you know, black, there are a lot of reasons why black people don't trust white people. Mm -hmm. And there are a lot of good reasons. Mm -hmm. And, um, and consequently, if you have a black friend, chances are that black friend doesn't really totally trust you. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there are really good reasons mm -hmm. for that, uh, even amongst Christians. And, um, and only as friendships deepened, did I realize, oh my heavens, I have completely missed the experience of my brothers and sisters in Christ who don't look like me. They have a, you know, their, their skin is a different tone than my skin is, but it's not just their skin is a different tone. It's their experience in church and culture has been totally different from mine growing up. And I've never even realized it. And the Bible tells us to bear one another's burdens. And I, here I have, I've lived, you know, 30 something years of my life and I've never borne the burdens of my brothers and sisters. I've never been able to see the world from their perspective. So ab absolutely what you just said about John Persons listening, listening happens in the context of friendships. And as my friendships with, you know, people like the Bidiania Buile, and I mean, I can go down a, a whole list of, of folks who just had a huge impact on my life. And it's just because I've gotten to know them. I've gotten to understand their experience and I've begun to care about the things that they care about because I love them and um, and they love me enough to let me into their lives and and you know I'm thinking Bryant Taylor here in Jackson I bet you know Bryant is a um, is a ruling elder at Redeemer uh, Church here in Jackson Albert McGowan is another uh, teaching elder he's the pastor at Redeemer Church the, these guys have tons of wisdom and they come from a totally different experience and culture than I came from, though I grew up in the in the southeastern United States, too. And you just I, I love to go out with those guys and just sit and listen, because I learn so much just from listening to them, not just their wisdom, but their experiences in life. And uh, I, I think if, if you are white and you're middle upper middle class, and, and you're a Christian in the southeastern United States, chances are you've not had, uh, you know, the, the, the depth of friendships across cultures, across uh, ethnicities that you, you know, would have benefited from. So seek them out mm -hmm. and then just listen. Mm. That's, yes, again, some good advice. And since you mentioned Albert McGowan, just to encourage those who are listening, if you go to rym.org slash conferences, um, Albert was our main speaker um, at, at our um, Florida conference. Uh, so be sure to check that out and listen to him preach. But again, Dr. Duncan, very helpful. Thank you. Thank you, John.